production of the Toe Network. This is Laser Knees number 80, Explosivo. I'm Aleph. And I'm Sono, and this is Thief Sentai Lupin Ranger versus Police Sentai Pot Ranger, episode 41, The Door to Another World, and episode 42, Time for the Final Battle. Our writer for episode 41 was Komura Junko, and for 42 was Kaneko Kaori. Really? Yes! Believe it or not. Huh. Our, I mean... Yeah, it is... Yeah, go on, go on. We'll, we'll get into that in a second. Yeah, we'll deal with it. Um, our director for 41 was Sugihara Teruaki, and for 42 was Nakazawa Shoujiro. Well, right. Just, I, I guess, first thing for our thoughts on the episodes is, wow, 42 is kind of Kukauri! Yeah! Huh! Yeah, no. That's uh, news. Yeah, because I mean, it felt so in character, and Keichiro was, like, cool. I just, I, I'm very used to Keichiro not being, you know, Keichiro in a Kaneko Kauri episode, so good on them. Yeah, or characterization, or evidence of growth, or really any of the things I like him for. I, I feel so mean, but also, um, yeah, I, I ain't wrong. Well, anyway, um... I just I thought this was a, just a rock solid couple episodes, especially for the uh, for how we are rocketing in toward the end. So let's just get through our our bad things that we didn't like in these episodes and try to uh, before we get into the good stuff, so that we can well talk talk about the good stuff. Okay, so I wish they'd give us a little more detail in Toma's history. Because I feel like there's just some part of him that we're missing. I assume that when he says Tsukasa probably found, in his words, nothing pleasant when she looked into his background, he's talking about Aya being missing and the upheaval that caused in his life. But that's hardly, like, nothing pleasant. That's just one really sad ordeal out of what otherwise seems to be a pretty good life. Like, back a while ago, Toma remarked to Umeka that Aya's family, and I think he mentioned her father specifically, was hostile to him after Aya disappeared or was presumed dead or whatever's going on uh, with what the public thinks happened. And that seems kind of harsh, especially towards a guy with, like, a really good job who was able to, like, get a place of his own with Aya and, like, were getting ready to get married. It feels like something is missing, in the hole that is Toma. Because, like, he didn't know how to cook before he met her. So what was he doing with himself? Like, was he out there in some gangs, getting in trouble? Like, what what was going on? Is there something a little darker in his past that makes his family believe that... Or makes Aya's family believe that he would get her into trouble? Like, it feels like there's a lot of groundwork there for this background to exist, but given that this episode essentially is starting the end game of the show, it doesn't seem like something we really have time to explore, which is a shame because, you know, having that one extra facet to Toma's character, I think would really solidify him into someone really memorable, like kind of even maybe close to the level of Joe, who, you know, was a big Kaneko or a big Komura Junko character in Gokaiger. Like she handled a lot of Joe's writing and I feel like a lot of she's putting a lot of that same 
kind of archetype into Toma, and just we're not getting all of it. Yeah, which is really... I mean, it sucks, because I really like Toma, and this whole line is is putting a finger on something that has been kind... Like, I have been off and on feeling that there's something missing from him, but I've not really known what it would be or even what how to phrase it. So I'm, I'm very thankful that you put it in these terms, because, yeah, there's a step in him and that is missing that we can't see, and it would explain so much. Because, like, you can, you can understand Kyrie, right? He's, he's got, he's a bad kid. He's got, uh, sometimes he's, he's got more of a fight inside himself to stay good than he'd like. And then you pair that with his saintly older brother, and you're just like, I mean, I get it, dude. I, I see why you're so frustrated, because your big brother is better than you. In basically every way. And also you kind of feel like, oh, and also I have a heart of garbage. Ugh. So yeah, you you kind of turn into into the kind of the crappy kid that Kyrie is. Or Umika. Her best friend is taken from school. And she's also, like, I, you know, we, we know she's she used to be close with her family. She's not now. Didn't have a ton of friends. So the one friend she's got means a lot to her. And then that's taken away from her, and it's like, okay, well, yeah, she's she's looking for a place to belong in the world. Okay, yeah, I dig that. But Toma is just a whole lot of white noise, just TV sh- TV static, and then Met Aya learned to cook, became an upstanding member of society. But boy, there's th- there's a lot of stuff you can do before Met Aya learned to cook. Like I, I imagine there's probably a, a good amount we can infer. Uh, especially if we were from Japan, or or at least in my own case, if I had a greater familiarity with some of the forms of shorthand and coding that are going on with him. Maybe not, but maybe there's just some stuff that I can take as, as sort of, that I take as like, okay, well that's just a character trait that someone can have that reads more like, ah yes, but when someone has this character trait, it usually indicates this and this and this. I don't know, there's, coding is... Is a very dense, weird thing. He feels like the sort of dude who's, like, overcome having a really short temper and getting into fights really easily. And, like, you know, learning to cook and settling down with his girlfriend, like, that all kind of mellowed him out. But we don't... None of that has ever been... I don't know if maybe, you know, that's just coding that's really easy to read in, like, culturally, but I would really love if we just... Even if he just, like, talked about it. Like, we don't need a whole episode about it, but just have him, like, talk bits and pieces of it in relation to, as he relates to other people. It just, it is a shame that we have that, that missing bit in him, and, and good call on that being, that being the thing that is, is sort of the lack, because I, I still like Toma, I still like him quite a lot, but, but, like, yeah, that is a I shame. And now is going to, like, I don't know if I'm going to, if I'm in a fanficy mood, but boy howdy, there's probably going to be some, probably a good amount of stuff you could play around with in there. So, Zamigo just letting Keitro and Sakuya go, and like letting them go off and find everyone else, and then like leaving a door open for them to leave, was yeah underwhelming. Because why? 
Like, he's not gonna fight them, he's not gonna try and, like, make a deal with them. Like, nothing. Nothing's going- he's just gonna let them go and be like, oh, I don't like letting other people play with my toys. What? Like, obviously he's playing at something, but he's done so incredibly little over the course of this show that it just feels like a deus ex metis quo so we can move on to the next episode. Yeah, it really does. Because, I don't know, it's, it's like the show just asking, Hey, don't you appreciate how mysterious Zumigo's whole thing is? And it's like, well, no. The answer, the answer is no. Of course not. Because if you want someone to be mysterious and intriguing, they have to show up and do things somewhere between the start of the show and episode 40 to be at all interesting in a way that would get you invested in a mystery. Because... Like, yes, technically he's had appearances, but it's always been just like, I'm going to show up and fight a dude. Okay? I'm going to show up and let the Lupin Rangers try and capture me and then disappear for 20 episodes. I mean, okay? He, he doesn't do a thing. He doesn't have plans that we see him running. Just like, hey, get out of the way of my plan. What plan? You're not doing anything, dude! That's uh, that's gonna be me just spinning out. Sorry. Um, this is small and petty, but I still don't like the split up version of the opening theme. It feels awkward. Like I don't care which one we're using, it never works. Yeah, not really. The uh, the long gaps between verses that are supposed to be filled with someone else's voice just doesn't work so hot. Yeah. Um, and and surprising everyone for a Kaneko Kauri episode. I didn't really have any problems with 42. Yeah, they're really... I had. I don't have anything to really complain about. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> it's nice, though. Nice. That's, uh, that's like a... It's, it's a nice bit of metatextual character growth, which is not the way you should talk about actual real people, but I don't know anything about Kaneko Kaori. I mean, neither do I, because they have no other writing credits. Yeah, but it it looks like they've they've learned a lot because <laughs> we went from like yay boo yay boo 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 yay boo and now here where it's just like two thumbs up. But uh, speaking of two thumbs up, let's talk about the th stuff we enjoyed in these episodes. Uh, Sono, as ever, please start us off. Okay, going into forty one, I really love the way this episode opens up as a setup for how the episode is going to play out. Because you've got, you know, Keitro having a friendly interaction with Kairi, Sakuya is checking in with Umeka about, you know, that problem she'd been talking to him about, which was a really nice, sweet little interaction, by the way. Really, Sakuya is really going to come out of this show not being awful. He's still going to be the least good Green Ranger, but at least I'm going to be able to, like, willingly accept him into the family. Yeah, he's not the first bad Green Ranger. Yeah, like, that's a nice feeling. And then you've got Tsukasa and Toma taking very different outlooks on how they're watching it play out. Like, Tsukasa's glad to see everyone finally getting along, Saki is not being creepy, uh, Kairi doesn't seem, like, put off by having to interact with Keichiro... And, you know, Toma remains concerned about the police getting so close to them. 
And, you know, we see the two of them practically lined up as this kind of wall between these two more engaged pairs, which is a nice visual signal of, hey, here's the relationship we're going to work on this week. It's just, it's a very well put together scene. It really is. Honestly, like, if we're not going to have a thing where Kyrie and Keitro try to figure out their stuff and how to navigate their rocky relationship, however one wants to read that relationship, I'm not getting into that. I'm glad that we're doing this thing where one of the Lupins is forced to pretend not to be a Lupin with Tsukasa, because Tsukasa is the one both most likely to piece together what is going on, but also we as an audience know, even if the, the cast does not, that she is likely to understand that whatever the Lupins are doing is not being done out of malice, just instead a pro-social action undertaken from a position of disempowerment. Which, yeah, I'm I'm glad Tsukasa's there, because Toma... I, I, Toma and Tsukasa are, like, the only ones who could really hang, besides... Because, like, Saki and Umika are coming around, and it's cool. Keichiro and Kairi are still a weird thing. So it's it's nice to see them try to, to put Tsukasa and Toma into... into some sort of relationship that they can talk about, and appropriately, it is the most awkward thing with a lot of question marks happening. Though my my favorite thing is in any kind of promotional thing, you know, they have to put the girls together. So in any group shot, it's going to be the two reds, the two girls, and then an, a really awkward interaction between Toma and Sakuya. It's good stuff. Which is my favorite. Like, there's... I'm not sure what this is for... I'm assuming the picture is related to New Year's, but uh, it's, you know, all there's Noelle's in the front, and then the two reds are sharing a scarf, and the two girls are sharing a scarf, and Saki is just trying to put it on Toma, and Toma's like, no. And it's a great photo. That sounds good. Uh, I will I'll provide a link to the tweet for the, uh, as mentioned. Oh, good, thank you. Because it's really, it's really funny. I believe I retweeted it. I definitely at least liked it, so I can find it. Rock. Circling back to the episodes, uh, Dograño's affection for Destra is really sweet. Because, like, he he knows Destra's got the goods. The guy is his right hand for a reason. And if Destra wanted, he could have won this competition on day one. But he's been holding back out of respect because he's like, I don't really want to take over your spot, boss, because I love you. And now DeGranio's like, nah, kiddo, you can stop holding back. You ha- you go have fun. I love you, son. Kid, if any one of these chumps was going to do it, they would have done it. You go wild. You go have fun, baby. But, like, DeGranio is a super engaging final boss, and it's just so nice to see how much Komura learned in her second pass at crafting, you know, the big bad of a show. Oh goodness, because Dograño yes. is so good. I love him so much. Because he's got, he's got style. He's got panache. He's even got affection for most of his underlings. Without, at the same time, never... While at the same time, never, ever, for an instant, letting anyone forget that he, that he got where he is by having exactly no chill. That dude does not play, or if he pl- or if he plays, he plays to win. And the game is murder your way to the top. There's it's just a world of little things in how he's written and performed, and and how the cameras work that that really do highlight how great he is. 
Not the least of which is that the only reason he even cares about our heroes is that they're making it really hard for him to think of his organization as being left in good hands after he retires or dies. I don't know which. It it, it seems very much like retiring, though, because I think it would take more than just death to kill him. Yeah, he seems like he wants to go just, like, hang out and not have to, like, deal with everyone because he's probably been doing this for a couple hundred years. And then, of course, there's the bit... Well, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. We will certainly get to that. So as much as I feel bad that Toma had that body swap episode kind of thrown in his face again, I thought it was really cute that Tsukasa kind of approaches that and like, hey... I want you to be, like, this good big brother figure to Kairi and Umika because they kind of really need to seem to need that in their life and seemed really happy to see him just doing a nice thing out in the world and helping someone. And, you know, the way they followed that up with Toma then wanting to save Tsukasa when they're trapped in Gangler World so that Kairi and Umika won't be sad that this, you know, lady that they think is cool, like, they won't have lost her also to the Gangler. Yeah, it's it's beautiful. And I still like that callback, especially since the callback where everyone thought he was girl crazy is a much more interesting thing to call back to as as like uh I'm glad you don't do that anymore. Then you know, that time that usually gets brought up, the one where he rocked the heck out of some spandex and 80s competitive aerobics. And look, I know we bring this up every time, but I still don't get ha- how, hey, you know that time you looked friggin' amazing in spandex and showed that you've got superlative muscle control, stamina, and a cardiovascular system that a lot of people would kill for? is supposed to make that dude feel bad. I just, it blows my mind, dude. But toxic masculinity is a plague on all cultures. But I just, I also like Tsukasa encouraging him to turn his serious nature toward being a good role model for Kairi Nubika, even though, like... Honestly, only Kairi needs the role model, because Umika's actually got... She's pretty together for someone who watched their friend get, like, turned into ice and then seemingly exploded by a carnivorous frost plant. Anyway, I, I like Tsukasa. She's great. And I like I liked her stuff with Toma. And also, okay, for all I know that the answer is because he's a Lupin Ranger, a part of me just wants to know how long Toma's known how to shoot like that. Because now you've brought up what's up with his past, and how is he going to explain being able to throw down like he does near the end of the episode? Because, okay, Sakuya, who, I just want to, to say it, sucks a lot less bad nowadays, which is very heartening. He clearly went to school for it. He worked hard at the academy to nurture a talent, and, and that's admirable and good. But Toma, just once once you start thinking about his what we don't know about his past, seeing him just roll in and just bang, bang, bang at those dudes was pretty sick. And once you point out all the stuff we don't know about him, you wonder how long it took him to get so comfortable shooting so well, and how hard Tsukasa's going to look into him now that she has seen him throw down like that. Because... It's not like she still don't have some questions, even if her and the rest of the Pat Rangers have been sort of diverted from them a couple times. The patterns still seem like things that these actual detectives would not entirely ignore. 
Yeah, I mean, like, look, even if she's not mildly suspicious that he's a Lupin Ranger, I'd still be like, hmm, guns are super illegal in this country, Toma. Why do you know how to use one like that? Yeah, I don't, we did not note you having, having your name on the rolls at any local gun clubs. And we sure as heck would have known where about your gun registration, because I've I've looked into the gun registration laws in Japan. I think they are actually they're they are fair, they are very dense and intense, but also not unacceptable. I think I think there there's stuff like okay, where are you going to keep it in your home? And a lot like I can see how a lot of people can think that's very invasive, but also. Hey, we just want to make sure that you are taking the proper precautions so that, you know, like, a five-year-old doesn't get their hand on this and then pull the trigger and annihilate themselves, one of their friends, or you. Boy, that went really dark. I'm sorry. <laughs> we can we can maybe just put a timestamp on that. <laughs> yeah, well, oh, this is what post is for. Yep. I'm just making a note. Anyway, um... So that that little freaking smirk that Toma gives Kairi and Umika as he runs past when he comes out of Gangler World with all the cops was real good. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. Like, I wish we had a couple more instances of, like, sassy Toma, because I really love sassy Toma. As do I. Though, like, on the other hand, I think there's a part of me that that thinks it's the rarity that makes it work, gives him kind of a, and I can't believe I'm making this reference in the year of our Lord 2018. Uh, it's a silent Bob thing, you know, from the Kevin Smith films that all of the kids I mean, who well, might I'm, be listening, I'm within spitting distance in Red like, Bank, New Jersey. So, and you know, that's, yeah, that's true. You don't have a choice. Uh, but it's just, it's just the thing of knowing that underneath his serious exterior is that smirk that will leave you so dunked on so hard that you will need a construction crew to dig you up out of the ground and a crack team of paramedics to treat you for the sick burns over 100% of your body. Knowing that's there and seeing him use it sparingly makes it all the more powerful because you know that he'll wait until you are at your weakest. And it's nice that they gave that we have an episode that really just highlights, oh, that's right, he's great. I don't know how well his toys are selling. I hope he's selling very well. Even as I'm given to understand that Sentai this year is not selling as very well, which blows my mind because I love this show. It's. I want all the toys. I feel like a lot of the Lupin Ranger stuff is selling okay. I don't think the Pot Ranger stuff is selling very well at all. That's a uh, Because again, Noelle's upgrade was originally meant for Keichiro. <laughs> and, and, uh... I'm willing to blame that on Kaneko Kauri. I look, I am as well, because again, we they had Naruhisa Arakawa come in and give him honestly the episode I always go back to is who is this dude? It's it's that and the one where him and Kairi are on vacation. Like I never, uh, I'm still mad about some of those. Anyway, let's let's move on because I I think according to our notes, you had one more bit for forty one. I love. When they're in the robot fight, just the end of the robot fight, Kyrie just like, Goody, hold my gun so he can use Lupin Magnum. And Goody, like, just shoving it in Goody's mouth, and Goody's still trying to cheer around it because his positivity absolutely can't be stopped. That is true. He is a boy too good and too cool for this fallen world of ours. 
we do not deserve him. But while he is not the boy we deserve, he is the cool good boy that we needed. I, I just, I want a puppet. I want, I want the puppet with the crown. Yeah. Give me Goody with the crown. He's, he's our good cool striker. Like, I, I want like a puppet that has like interchangeable hats that can be like Velcroed onto him. Yeah. That sounds amazing. Because I love him and his, his dumb little hats. They make me so happy. I, I think that is my one complaint about this show overall. He only has three hats. Yeah, he does a need... boy that good and that cool deserves way more hats. Oh my god. I hope in the movies he gets one. At some point he needs a cowboy hat. You will never be able to convince me otherwise. Like, I don't know what other kinds of hats, but he needs a cowboy hat and... Oh my goodness. I don't know. Oh my goodness. More hats for him, though. I love hats, this striker. a construction helmet. Why does he not have a construction helmet? Anyway, moving on to episode 42 before this just becomes a hat cast. Okay, so bless Kyrie for finally calling Noelle out on the 100% lack of subtlety in a uniform that reads undercover unit across the back. Seriously. The whole look is so awful it does loop back around to being amazing, because it just it tells you everything you need to know about Noelle. Because, yeah, of course this is a dude who shows up to work in a suit that says undercover in shiny gold across his back. Of course he's that dude. But still, like, it's great to be extra. You could be slightly less extra. Also, just his, Noelle's entire response to that is just this, like, well, that's how it is, like, hand gesture. And it's just, it's this great, like, medium close-up on the two of them. It's, it's such a good shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's such a smug little monster. I love him so much. Oh, and and speaking of things that are monstrous and involve things I love, uh, seeing Destra go all out was so much fun. Like I know that it's it's pretty easy to just like superimpose some explosion effects on a map painting of a city and then take everyone to the city ruins set, and it shouldn't work. It should feel cheap and lazy and bad, but it felt so big here. And it just, it really pays off on how early on we got to see that Destro was a force to be reckoned with. And it's, I think what really sold it is that one, this is just Destra, not enlarged by Gauche. He's got no collection pieces. This is just raw base Destra. And that two, like, the destruction isn't localized even in the slightest. Like, we see the one blast from the center and it just spreads and spreads and spreads from this one single hit that is, again, base Destra with nothing enhancing him. Like, I feel like we've never seen a sub-boss do that much destruction, especially in his most basic state. Yeah, and it really plays up how dangerous he is. I mean, it, it's not even playing up, it's just telling you, showing you. And it's just, of course, he's DeGranio's second-in-command, because dang! I mean, I know that the most powerful person might not want to be in charge, but at the very least, it says something about what DeGranio is capable of, that he'd inspire this dude's loyalty, because it seems pretty clear, like, he would give DeGranio, like, DeGranio's pretty hardcore, it has been established. He'd give him a run for his money. 
yeah, no, he absolutely could, but he would die for Dogranyo. I really love it. I love when, like, you don't see it so often, and I know I've seen people complain about villain-centric Sentai. I love when I know what the villains are like, and that they're their ride or die for each other. It's, I mean, there's, I've seen a lot of people like complain that Geki Ranger is too villain centric, but like, I want to know why, why, like, why if you're gonna have villains that are that good, I want to know why they're the way they are. I want to know why Destra is so ride or die for Dogranio, and like, I feel like Geki Ranger for a show that really placed its villains at kind of the core of the narrative. Like, I feel like they did a good job keep making it a really, like, half-and-half half story. But, like, I I want... See, this is the thing that I'd, like, love a net movie for. For, like, some background on Destra. Where, like, it's, it's completely non-essential to the plot, but it would just be this really cool little extra story of just how we got here. Yeah, because it... It feels like it was massive, or it must have been. Or maybe it's actually just a really sweet little thing of, hey kid, you got pluck. Come on, work for me. And then just, he just blossomed under the tutelage of someone who actually cared about him. Yeah. Like, you could go so many directions with it. I I want to know. <laughs> Which is saying something, because... Like, honestly, the villains are, are usually either really fleshed out or kind of just there. Because it, it's hard to hit a middle ground with Sentai villains, I've found. Yeah, it it can be. I mean, I've seen maybe a couple, I think, who are kind of middling, but usually it's, I don't care about them. Sorry, Zhuoger. I did not care. <laughs> Except to- I wanted to. Yeah. I really wanted to care in Zuoger. I tried. Yeah, we did our best, and it just came down to Naria's wasted. Y'all are wasting Naria. At least they showed up with Ghosh, and it's like, nah, they ain't wasting her. She's just, why is she hanging back? Because she doesn't want to get shot. She's got better things to do. Yeah, like human experimentation. Anyway, um, moving on, I just, I love Destra so much. Oh, one last bit, I'm very sorry. When he gets hold of of uh, the the victory flyer thing, you know, Red's upgrade that was here, right? Um, I think so. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. yeah, he yeah, right. He dies in this one, so it can't be a, a different one. Um, and like he, he once he realizes, oh, I see. You can see you can see what I'm about to do. That's fine. I still hit too hard for you to counter. <laughs> oh, you see it coming. Sucks to be you. <laughs> You'd probably want this one to be a surprise. <laughs> just, I just, and then he just takes the upgrade, has it, and it's like, okay, well, I can see what you guys are about to do. Doesn't matter. I'm Destra. Oh, he's so good. Yeah, he's. I love him so much. I I did not expect to actually have this kind of emotion when he died, because like you know, he's a monster in a Sentai who works for the bad guys, you know he's gonna get got. But I'm I'm actually kind of sad to see him go, because he was a good bad guy. Yeah. It's like, he, he just tried to lay, lean back, stay chill, just get his boss some, something to drink. Someone's, someone smarts off to the boss, a uh, Lyman, talking some crap to DeGranio. He's just like, 
look, I'm not going to beat you in front of the boss. You show some respect, kid. Which, like, look, I love when a villain has an otherwise admirable trait. Just something for me to hang engagement on, because it's it's hard with a bad guy. It's hard to do a good bad guy, because they have to be interesting. They have to be about something. Otherwise, they end up like, um, Guinness, back in Zhuojer. Sorry, Kimura, Junko, we gotta bring up Lord Guinness, because he didn't care, and I didn't care. Yeah, no. It's, it was the, it was the problem in Zhuojer. Like, it was the biggest problem in that show. Because, like, once we find out his deal, like, oh, hey, I'm actually made of all these little things, and I'm really angry that other people are better than me. Yeah, that's cool. That's fair. That's a thing to hang an entire year's worth of Sentai evil on. Anyway, I just, um, I'm, I'm just babbling now, because I just really like Destra, and I'm, I'm a miss him in this show. Same. So I really like this episode finally calling in a true alliance between the Lupin Rangers and the Pot Rangers, and specifically our two Reds. Because they know each other so well at this point that they can just get on this frequency of knowing what they'll do and how they'll react to a certain situation and can rely on each other to make the move they need to get through the situation. Because Aikatro's like, no, they're definitely gonna show up and get the collection pieces back. So we don't we don't even need to do anything. We just need to be here and they will show up. And Kyrie's like, yeah, no, the police are absolutely gonna fight this monster. He blew up like half the city. Yep, they're gonna get in our way. We're we just-, just gotta show up and wait. And just this bit of silent communication between Kyrie and Keitro is just it's really beautifully done on the part of both actors cuz yes the expressions that they exchange and just like the kind of glancing back and forth and just both of them are trying so hard to live up to how they've presented themselves to each other that the way it all plays out and that it, this silent plan that they form to get the collection back from Destra is great and then the execution of just kind yeah and again like we've had so many complaints about kanako kauri and and this one is just like a just a perfect realization of what this show has needed to be going for this whole time and and it's even more impressive given how awful uh, not even like this isn't even about kanako kauri but this could have gone so bad so easily it takes a lot of good setup in in putting in th- these moments together and also the right phrasing of of just how they ref- how they talk about it how they talk to each other of a thing that could easily be read as everyone having confidence in themselves and trust in their counterparts as a- opposed to uh, rather that that would be not be read as that as opposed to a smug I'm just so smart, and I played you like a fiddle, because all of you are less smart than I am. Because, look, it could easily have gone that way. If if they wanted to, like, just smug up Red a whole, uh, Red, right, um, Kyrie, Lupin Red, if they wanted to, like, have him win like that, they could have done it. It would have been real easy. Or 
They could have had Keichiro be awful about it. It would have been real easy, but instead they did the harder thing, where they highlight the trust, the understanding, and build on these things that they've been working this whole time. And it's it's just nice to see it pulled off so well, and for our teams to at least sort of get on the same page. Whatever the thieves are doing, they've mostly been doing crimes at the Gangler at this point, so it's only their public status as notorious thieves that everyone talks about that makes them a problem for the police. Not so much any actual crimes at this point, which is just... It's so easy to be on the side of them teaming up. Yeah, just the way that the whole... The whole build-up is just the two of them seeing each other. Like, what fleet equals is just so good. It's like, what would he do? What would he do in this situation? I I need to think, I need to, like, get into his brain so that we can pull yep. this off. Without ever actually communicating. Because if it was a plan, it wouldn't have worked. Which is just, it, it's so well done. I'm so mad at it, actually. It's really good. It's elegant. And the way this episode has Noel panicking and Kogure trying to kind of force him back off the front line was actually really heartbreaking. Because Noel's just been trying so hard and has been keeping so much of his own heartache under a mask. Like, he's been so charming and lovable that we, against all odds we've grown attached to this character who, on paper, shouldn't work. <laughs> no kidding. Like, he... He should not work by any means. And he just, he shouldn't. No, he should not. And now seeing him kind of being kicked while he's down really just has me rooting for him and has me interested in this new storyline of what Ghosh saw in him and why Kogure thinks that it should... he. Like, this is the reason he should have stayed in Paris and shouldn't go out and fight anymore. Yeah, agreed. There's there's so much incredibly cool stuff going on here that's putting Noel in this fascinating context. Really, the counterpart to what you were talking about missing with Toma, uh, generally, and in 41 particularly, as well as uh, what's missing with Zamigo overall. Uh, it's It's just that new context, that way of looking at him, that lack just seems ready to carry us through this last little stretch of the show, even as I am sort of side-eyeing the decision to load so much of that into the back end. But as I as I am fond of saying, I'd rather something be too dense with stuff than one where the big ideas are thin on the ground. So, you know, I'll, I'll take it. I'm just curious how it's going to be realized. So as much as the, like, half of a theme bothered me in 41, the use of the, the full combined theme in 42 was great. Like, especially coupled with Goody placing everyone with someone on the opposite side. Like, again, it feels like this culmination of everything the show has been working towards with the two sides coming together to form one team, even if it's just for the moment that's dedicated to stopping this force of destruction. Seriously, dude, I'm not gonna lie. I was darn near jumping up and down on the couch once I saw that the Lupins and Pat Rangers were getting sorted together instead of remaining apart. The The power in the marriage of op 
of opposites is a thing I am so incredibly about. And it just makes it hard to believe that this was a Kaneko Kauri app. I, I hate to keep coming back because I feel like I'm beating up, but also there have been some real stinkers and a lot of just bad ideas. So I have to give credit where it's due, even if it is kind of jerky, I suppose, to be so surprised about it. I also, I appreciate that it was Sakuya and Umeka and Toma and Tsukasa just on the level of not putting the girls together. Yeah, that is always nice. Like, I know we're still on the fence about the whole Sakuya and Umeka thing, but I appreciate that the show is at least trying with just not shoehorning the girls in together. And not to mention it, it plays on 41's building up a thing between Toma and, and Tsukasa. Not like a romantic thing, just, you know, they talked, even though Tsukasa has no idea that that's the case. Or rather, she has very little idea that that's the case. I'm sure on some level she's like, mm. Vague conceptual idea of it being the case. Yeah, but Toma knows, so, you know. I also love how, like, Keitro's telling his team, like, hey, don't, don't fight with whoever you're in there with, and... They're both just like, oh no, my dude, we do not want to hear that from you. Yeah. We should be telling you that. Also, have we done Vehicle Burst Magnum before? Because I feel like if we had, I would have commented on how absolutely cool I think it is for it to use the other vehicle as bullets in the revolver. And I feel like I haven't talked about that before. So I'm not sure, but it's a really clever visual, and I'm super into it. Okay, I'm not glad I'm, I'm glad I'm not the only one, rather, who was uncertain if it, this had happened before, while also thinking, oh dang, that is cool, because it is it is such a clever visual thing, and such an interesting way to upgrade the combined robot without adding more combiny things to it. <laughs> You know, have instead of having the the giant, even more unwieldy form, which is impressive given that that one looks about at the limit of what you can do without a new robot. So just okay, it's it's a conceptual upgrade. He, he just quote unquote holds the gun and then just shoots all the other vehicles out of it, even though that's not a thing it can do. It's it's a very clever way to have all the 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 toys present without having to do a big new toy, which I don't know how to feel about, but I'm, like, a part of me is very happy that they don't have the, like, eighth upgrade for the robot, you know? Yeah. Just, just no, the one, there. click, 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 it's all together, it's great. Because it's, Good Striker is such a simple, elegant solution for this thing. Just on both a plot level a buy a toy level, and also just on an engineering level. I, I'm sure they probably originally planned to have uh, like a gooder striker come in at some point or something, where or or like a, a super train to up Lupin X's deal. But no, they just they don't make a big new combiner robot. I I'm very happy for it. Also, I know I mentioned at the top of the episode how endearing Dograño's affection for Destra is, but man, seeing him asking, like, Gauche to just leave him alone, and then pouring one out for Destra after his death, and just, like, the lack of sound during that, 
the just the way the camera pans around and how far away from him we are f while he's doing it up until you know he goes in and kind of toasts the glass and then you know that that extreme close-up of his head down while he drinks and then the tilt up so we see his eyes and you get that just sense of rage under his grief it's so threatening yeah. i feel like it might be more threatening than anything we've seen definitely at least in the last two sentai that precede this one oh, easily but it it feels like it's been quite a while since we've hit big mood like that maybe somewhere in tokyujer oh, yeah man even then like but like i'm i'm really i can't think of the last time we got something like i think the last one that good i can think of is uh the the emperor from uh gokaiger because there's that whole bit where he's just like why did you let my son die but he's not even aiming that at the at the Gokaijus, he's aiming that at his men. Like, the threat doesn't feel as personal then, but that's, like, the last time I can think of someone being that intimidatingly angry. Yeah, like, I feel like maybe I could go back as far as Geki Ranger and there being something... Because Long was... Long got really, really threatening at times. In not quite in the same way as this, but the same level of threatening, just in kind of the way he would react or not react more specifically to things. Um, but like, Dogranio's not just gonna be evil to be evil at this point. Like, he's not gonna go out and do this final battle just because he's the only one left. Like, no, this is personal. These insects took away his best dude. A guy that he had real hopes was gonna take, like, his seat for him, and that he could trust this organization to. These, like, pathetic, insignificant beings hurt his family, and it is on. It is, and it is great! Like, seriously, I wanna buy a drink, or all of the drinks for the people who did those shots. Because, like, look, it is a thing I have talked about generally with Sentai and Rider and other Tokusatsu productions as well, but I I don't watch those as often as Sentai and Rider, where these static helmets with just some, some angles and lighting can be made to produce these colossal ranges of expressions if you know how to do those shots. There are times where I'm like, how did you do all of this with this one mask? I've seen bits of uh, the the Power Rangers equivalent. I, I forget its name. I don't actually know it. But like... Uh, SPD? Yeah. Okay, it's just SPD. Cool. And I know that their doggy Kruger analog has... Like, it's a machine. It's articulated. It has all these things to do these much more subtle and complex expressions, but none of the ones I have ever seen are half as impactful for me as the ones I've seen Doggy Kruger do. And that's just because they know how to shoot that stuff. My my go-to example is, uh, besides Doggy Kruger, would be uh, Kamen Rider Deno's Momotaros. Oh god, Momo. Yeah. Cause, how does Momo exist? Yeah. like they, they do some amazing stuff with Degranio, through the, the lighting camera angles and whatnot, but 
Momotaro's, I, in my head, I remember him smiling, grinning, looking sad. And I, that's not a thing that can happen with that mask. It has one expression. It is a mask. And it's just... It's just a way of doing the designing and lighting and performing these masks that, honestly, you, I have not seen produced by people outside of Japan. Because, like, again, I, I've seen some Power Ranger stuff. I've tried to give it lots of chances to hook me because I know a lot of people are into it, and it's the it's the English-speaking equivalent. I, I'm fascinated by the process of adaptation, and that is an interesting adaptation. But, like, I'm sorry, they're... The masks that they make outside of Japan, where they have moving parts, or even the ones that don't have moving parts, they don't work as well, because, like, honestly, on some level, I think it's just because they don't have the no theater as part of the cultural background, because that does a lot for these kinds of productions, because it's just there. It's like, I don't know, I can't imagine, like, I'm trying to think of a, it's like, Shakespeare. Like, you know what, if you're from an English-speaking country, if you're from the U.S., you understand what a Shakespearean actor is! Like, you, it's, it's the, it's the, the certain way of doing the pronunciation, the way you speak, how you have to, you have to speak really big so that you can be heard. It's, it's all of these things that you just sort of understand going into being a Shakespearean actor. Except this one is kind of that kind of background cultural radiation with how to work a mask. I'm sorry I'm just going into this, like, very abbreviated bit of sociology. I'm just... No. But it shows! Because DeGranio, honestly, if you take it on just a pure design level, it shouldn't be able to do things like that. It shouldn't be able to express an emotion. It is actually a very ugly mask. It has... It, it just has, like, a 2D tyrannosaurus skull sticking out the front of it and a bunch of weird spiky things as it's beard i guess and, a, and like a silly razor blade oversized fedora it's it's it is not an interesting looking thing but they light it and present it and take it seriously to the point where it's like yeah no this is a scary old gangster but to get back to the story at hand um like, the reason all that matters is because, like you were saying, Sono de Grano's Morning is so beautifully handled and so subtle. Because they don't need to show him, like, crying. They don't need to show him, like, throwing stuff around and breaking it. It's just pouring one out for his friend. No, gauche. I'd like to be alone. And just drinking. Like, that is the most intimidating thing I have seen, man. Yeah, he's like, again, like you're saying, he's he's not pure evil. He's not doing this because he just wants to watch the world burn. He's, he's evil, but he has that capacity to value others. And as ever, the power of love makes you more dangerous. It gives you something to fight for, the reasons to push past your limits. And, like, you know, you know he's going to get got. And we all want him to get got, because he's the bad guy, and he's the author of all of this suffering. At the same time, there's there's some little part of you that's like, I mean, I don't blame you for trying to crush these these stupid fleshy meat sacks, because, like, whatever his motive was before, now the motive is, and they killed my boy. They killed my child. And 
I want. I look forward to seeing the rage of Degranio in the last episodes, man. <laughs> I just he's gonna. Oh, of course, that's why uh, Kyrie has a precognition power, because otherwise he'd never be able to see those razor blades coming. Is exciting. Uh, was there anything else? Because otherwise, I'm just. No, that's that's it. That was that was the way they closed off these episodes. Ah, oh, what a what a good sense of pacing they got. I am so legitimately excited. Oh wow, they didn't even have any uh, Lupin collection pieces. This was just pure story, wasn't it? Yeah, no, there were no new collection pieces in these episodes because Destro didn't have anything. That's right, because he didn't need them. And I mean, Ghost just had the the binoculars. Yeah, there was nothing new. Weird. This was this was pure just doing that Destro arc. Which, I mean, there's a part of me that's like, well, the, okay, I have to say it's elegant, and it's actually the perfect length, even as I'm like, ah, oh, they could have they could have pasted it out, and that's just how how well I think they did it, because I want more. And then I realize, like, they're going to give us more when DeGranio is just like, you come to me after you kill my son, and you ask me for mercy. I don't know, I just, I, I definitely want some sort of Godfather riff. I'm just, you want, I, I want to see it. I want to see him just like, and you come to me on the day of my daughter's wedding. Like, I want, I want something like that. But, you know, I'm not going to get it because he's, he's got to turn into a giant monster. and You can't really do that yeah. with a guy who can turn into a giant monster. Yeah, well, you know. It's, it's a shame, but they, they've showed us that he's, he's got that, he's got that emotional intensity. Anyway, that's just going to be me launching into how good the directors are and the voice actor and the lighting crew and so many people to make shots like that work um do we have anything else no that's really it i'm chomping at the bit um well then for laser knees and the rest of the toll network i'm alif and i'm sono and seriously just do not kill that dude's right hand he will murder you so hard and also don't get kicked by a horse and die.